0: My biggest takeaway from episode 61 of Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian, it is the episode within which I used notes the most, and Courtney (laughs) looked at
1: hers the least! least. And Brian can actually sign those notes and send them to you if you'd like to have an autograph. They're going copy. to become collector's <laughs> items. Uh, he actually had
0: notes on that one. I gotta print this out now? Oh, what the hell? Of course, they would be tired of my notes because they'd be
1: pages every week. What's up with this lady? There's
0: a landfill in Johnston, Rhode Island. that it has its own <laughs> wing anymore. of Courtney's notes. <laughs> Welcome back to Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian, your weekly dose of us trying to take the stigma away from mental health therapy, and of course, Courtney Kelly is a mental health therapist. I am a long-time patient, and Courtney, before we started, you said something that you say from time to time, which is a joke, and that <laughs> yes. is, "Where's your notes?" Because you always walk in here with copious notes. Yes, I do, and I walk in here with no plan whatsoever. <laughs> I just like to have a conversation. That's not to say that I don't think about yeah. in advance what I might say, Mm -hmm. but that's
1: how I operate. And who knows what's on that computer of yours? I don't know, I can't see. I was just gonna say. (laughs)
0: Until now. Ah. This is an historic edition of wow. Probing on the Couch. It's episode 61 where it happened. I got a couple of bullet points. Wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is shocking, I folks. put them in shocking. an email. I know. This is not how I usually operate. It's probably going to be the worst episode ever because of this. But the reason why I do has to do with the subject matter. Mm-hmm. Everyone is talking about Simone Biles and yep. what happened this week in Japan, her mental health issues and whatnot. And we have a morning radio show, and we did some hand-wringing about whether or not we should discuss it because we have some opposing views about it, which usually we're on the same page with yeah. everything. And I don't even necessarily know that they're opposing views. For me, there are some concerns. Mm. So I said, why don't I sit with this for a couple of days? Why don't I really let it marinate, take some notes, and hope that that will prevent me from getting trolled for the rest of my <laughs> life when I say what I have to say. Well, you can try, Brian. <laughs> best efforts I've seen forth. your track record when we've been down this road before. So I will start by saying, and I think it's apparent if you listen with any regularity, you're not going to find any bigger mental health advocate than Mm -hmm. yours truly. And when it comes to somebody like Simone Biles or anybody, really, I want the best for her. And for as much as people may know her as one of the greatest gymnasts of all time, Mm -hmm. her life has not been easy. She was a foster child. There were some of the sexual abuse scandals and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. Plus, the weight of the world on your shoulders, all of the pressure, and in spite of that, she just keeps winning and winning and winning. And And then all of a sudden this week comes, she's getting ready to perform some kind of a team thing there. I don't really follow the Olympics all that closely (laughs) until this happened. And in the 11th hour, she tried to do something. She's like, I can't do it. And she removed herself. And that news broke while we were on the radio. And we started talking about it. We had no idea that mental health was involved. So then I go home because I'm fascinated. And I start following along with this. Then I heard what she said in the immediate aftermath. It really rubbed me the wrong way. What she said was, in terms of citing mental health, well, it's been a rough week. And when we go out there, we're just supposed to have fun and just today it wasn't fun. And I was like, oh, and where that hit a hot button with me is this. I'm old school in some ways and I'm not averse to change at all. I'm all about evolving. But I know when it comes to conventions these days, everybody is so quick to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Everybody wants everything changed. It's where I think cancel culture lost its way. It's where it started as this good thing where we tried to destroy some really bad people. But then after a while, it wasn't good enough to just destroy bad people. Then it was, we just hate anybody who's successful. So I'm going to go back on their Twitter feed for the last eight years and see if I can find one thing that will end their career. And that's when it started getting unhealthy. Now, where is that statement, perhaps unhealthy in my mind? I have watched some of the younger generations and how they have been raised. We started with the helicopter parenting, then the snowplow parenting. Parents are just getting so involved because they don't want their kids to face adversity on any level whatsoever. And to coincide with this, We were growing up in a world where we play sports, but we don't keep score. We're just playing to have fun. And that really puts a bee in my bonnet, It really does. (laughs) And one of the reasons why it does is adversity is important, Mm -hmm. and dealing with adversity is also important. And for as perfect as we try to make our lives, and I have said this before, every true lesson that I have learned has come from something bad that has happened to me. Mm -hmm. And I always talk about how in youth sports, I played for a number of championship teams, No thanks to me, incidentally. I don't really remember those seasons all that well. I remember the end of them. But the thing that had the biggest impact on me was I played for a basketball team. We went 0-15 one season. We did not have one win. And I just remember how much I struggled with that and how many conversations I had with my parents about it because I wasn't used to losing. But I needed to learn how to lose. And sometimes I had some bad sportsmanship over it. So then I went back the next season and I played again. And we lost 14 games in a 15-game season. But that one win, Mm. I remember that one win more than I remember any championship or anything else. And that's the lesson here that I think needs to be remembered, Mm -hmm. is that sometimes it's not a bad thing to take on adversity. Now, when I say that, am I saying, shame on Simone Biles for not muscling through, powering through, and giving it her best shot? Not necessarily. I'm not inside of her own head. I think the problem that I have with it was, first of all, her statement, and I forgive her for that. Because look, she's in the middle of this bleep storm Mm -hmm. coming off of this, getting asked all these questions. She's young. Maybe if she had it to do over again, she would have framed it in a different way. And I would hope that she would, because there are younger people who hear what you have to say Mm -hmm. when it comes to something like that. My bigger problem, I think, in all of this is with society and how society is handling this where we are glorifying walking away from things. We are celebrating people who don't want to take adversity head on. And I think that's fine to a certain degree, but much like with the cancel culture, I don't want it to get so out of control that kids start getting that message Mm -hmm. and they think, well, that's the right thing to do. If I'm having a bad week, if I'm not having fun, then I can just walk away. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's something that we want to tell our kids. And another thing that is really important to me is this. We talk about mental illness every single week, and it's very important to identify what mental illness is it's also important to identify what mental illness isn't. And if you don't feel like doing something, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's mental illness. It might be that you're lazy, which brings me to another memory and then something that happened later on in life. I remember being very young and I signed up to play a sport of some kind. And at one point I went to a practice, I didn't like the coach and I said, I don't want to do this. I don't want to play for this team anymore. And my parents said to me, No, you signed up, you made the commitment, you have a lot of teammates depending on you. You need to stick to that commitment and I did and I think I was a better person for it. Mm -hmm. It taught me to overcome something that was a little bit challenging and it prepared me for life and then years later, my stepson, Signed up for football, thought he wanted to do it, saw how tough that first practice was, and tried to pull the same thing with us. And we said, no, you're going to stick with it. And he did it for the one season, he hated it, and he never did it again. And I don't think that kind of thing gets celebrated as much these days Mm -hmm. as the other kind of thing. Naomi Osaka... I follow sports pretty closely. I'm not a tennis nut, but that's the only thing that I know her for are the things that she doesn't want to do. And I'm sorry to be going on and on, Courtney. This is what <laughs> happens say, when we, I take
1: notes. <laughs> uh, no more notes for you, Brian. Courtney's got this pile over here. She's like, we ever going to get to this <laughs> I don't crap? I think I'm going to get to my notes. Blah, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. No, you're
0: very passionate about this, Brian. And by comparison, Tom Brady, we just had a guy who we found out won a Super Bowl, with a torn MCL, which Mm -hmm. potentially could have ruined his career. Mm -hmm. This was a guy who a few years back against Atlanta was down 28 to three at halftime and could have said, I'm checking out. I don't want to do it. I can't deal with Mm -hmm. it. I'm too upset about it. But he plowed through. And I don't feel like I hear nearly as much about people who take adversity head on as I do these days about people who just walk away. And again, when it comes to flouting convention, here's the other problem. I talk about narcissism being on the rise a lot these days, and especially with kids with social media and everything else. And I just feel like all of us are becoming less and less team players. You're not going to tell me to wear a mask. You're not going to tell me to take a vaccine. I don't care about anybody around me. All I care about is me. I, me, my, I, me, my. When Simone Biles did back out, one thing I did worry about it, it's like throwing a rock into a pond and there were a lot of ripples. What about her teammates? What about her teammates who committed their entire lives to this? All of them rookies who look up to her, were depending on her to maybe get the only gold medal they'll ever get. They ended up with the silver, that's a great thing. Mm I worry about their mental health for the commitment that they put in. And people don't really seem to think about that anymore. Mm -hmm. They don't think about how is this influencing kids who are watching this? How is this influencing her teammates? Because we're all so becoming about I, me, my. And that is what is worrying me Mm -hmm. about everything. All right, get to your
1: notes. (laughs) (laughs) i have more, but go ahead. (laughs) But let me just jump in for a second here. So the thing is, Brian, yeah, I was concerned about the topic we talked about earlier in the week. Because there was just so much going on and people were on one side or the other. I do think this is such a really important discussion to have because also you're tempering it because you're looking at it from different angles, but also to kind of question the bigger picture here. And of course, shout out to Tom Brady. I mean, amazing. And athletes in general. And I'm sure Simone Biles, she's had her times where she's been very challenged and had to keep pushing through. She has lots of medals and. Oh, yeah. It's know, not like that. she has a track right. record of walking no, away. No. She
0: is a champion's champion. But
1: I think you're right. Something has shifted. And And when things shift, sometimes they will go to the other side of things until we can find a balance. But the good thing is, is that a lot of these athletes, they would say they could never say something about their mental health. The reason why we do this about mental health and why we talk to people about it and we want to open the discussion for getting mental health help and that it's okay and to normalize it is because there is such a stigma. And especially in the sports world and especially on anyone who's successful, if she had broken her ankle or a foot or a leg or something like that, there wouldn't even be a discussion and be like, oh, all right, she hurt herself. <laughs> but if you're hurt mentally, we can't tell when you can see something physical or somebody goes to the doctor for like a medical thing. But when I deal with this with mental health, with people, other people can't see it like that. Well, a lot of times there's judgment. So I think that this new movement of having more awareness and being able to call it out when you're not doing well on her side of it, she was saying she wanted the team to do well. She didn't want to pull them down. And as we see more stories, I don't know what's true or whatever, but she's talking about how she had that issue where she couldn't find herself in the air. The twisties, twisties. they call it. She couldn't find herself in the air. And when that happens, that can be not only devastating to competition, but also extremely dangerous. The stuff she's doing, no one does. Some of the stuff that she does. So I think it's an important discussion because it brings to light more of this. Is there something going on with the younger generations? But also is there now like more of an acceptance where it's like, oh wow, we're breaking through. These are things that some people would break down at competitions. People have breakdowns because they're not able to address their mental health when Things are swept under the rug when people are just saying, Hey, just pull yourself up and you got to do this. There's a lot of expectation. We just came off a pandemic. A lot of these younger people, they've had such a hard time with it to begin with, and now they're in this competition that is just weighing on them. So I think there's a lot of factors, but it is important to open up and to talk about it. Two
0: things you mentioned the broken ankle example. 99.9% of people who have a torn MCL would not go and quarterback the Super Bowl. So what I'm going to say is, much like with physical pain, there's also a lot when it comes to mm-hmm. mental anguish. And I don't want people to think that just because you're a little bit off, that's a reason for you not no, to do something. If
1: he had said, I tore my ACL, or sorry, Tom, I don't remember, <laughs> but he hurt himself. If he had said that, I have to stop because I did that. People would understand. right? They wouldn't say push through. Of it. course. So what I'm saying is when it's physical, people have more of an understanding of, oh, they hurt themselves, they can't do it. The mental can be so important, especially with some of these athletes of what they're doing, and especially if they're putting themselves into physical danger, the mental has to be there. I mean, they train the mental really hard with mindfulness and trying to focus and all of these things. If you don't have your focus, I don't know what her specifics were, but if she's having like a panic attack or anxiety or like a trauma response to something, that could be devastating for her to push through in theory. I'm not saying they haven't pushed through. I'm not saying people don't, but I'm just saying it could be devastating. Well,
0: to finish the point, I guess really what I'm trying to say is, yeah, he could have said, I'm checking out or I'm playing and he chose to play. And like I said, some people can find a way to do that. But my fear is as a parent, and believe me, I've seen it. I've seen it not only with Mm -hmm. my own kid, I've seen it with other people. If I tried to pull the thing now that I pulled seven, eight years ago with Mm -hmm. my stepson about the, no, you committed to the football thing, you're going to follow through with it, now he would say well, I have mental illness. I'm having a bad week. I'm not having fun. And I'm sorry. He was not at that point. But that's how kids kind of grasp on things. And kids get influenced because kids don't process things the way that the rest of us process it. And because kids just want attention so badly these days. And they see people who aren't doing things getting attention. And that just becomes another form for them to get attention where I don't want them to make an unhealthy decision where they're just going to tap out and use that as an excuse when, look, just like there are people who are muscling through with a torn MCL and still somehow accomplish incredible things. Look, I use the example with you. There was a night that I was sitting in a garage with the car running, and I was thinking of ending my life, and I didn't, and I'm glad that I didn't. I was in work the next day and I muscled through it. And another fear that I have is when you shut things down, and you know this as well as anybody, especially when depression is a factor, that's when it gets really dangerous. When you start withdrawing too much. If I said, I'm not going to work, I'm going to spend the rest of the day at home in bed doing nothing inside of my own head, I might have ended up back in the garage. And I can process things in that way, but I don't know that an 11-year-old can. And if you want to talk about how we all get influenced as kids. I grew up loving Van Halen, and I remember watching them on stage, David Lee Roth, Michael Anthony, chugging from the Jack Daniels bottle. Michael Anthony had a Jack Daniels bass guitar. It looked like they were having so much fun, and it was so cool. So, at 17 years old, I got blackout trunk on Jack Daniels because I wanted to be like Van Halen. And while those two examples don't match exactly, when somebody sees somebody who, and again, bad verbiage by Simone Biles. I was having a bad week. Oh, that's mm-hmm. mental illness. Well, nope. Now I'm not doing anything. My mm-hmm. father coached forever and he stopped coaching because he started seeing parents who were not taking commitment seriously enough. He had a kid who was a star player on one of his teams. Championship game. Joey's not going to be able to be there. We have a cookout. And my father said, well, wait a minute. What about the rest of the team? And I'm seeing a lot more of mm-hmm. that kind of thing. To your second point, in terms of her getting mental health help, I would never discourage anybody from doing that. And I also applaud her for raising awareness. That's important. We've done it. We try to do it with this podcast. I've done it telling the stories about my suicide attempt or what could have been one. That's an admirable thing. But I don't necessarily know that that should be celebrated and that the word hero should be thrown around and just glorifying it to these levels because it is sending these messages to kids. And I see it in the workplace all the time. And friends of mine who are managed, of people constantly telling me how if I could never hire a young person again, I never would because their expectations are so off because they have an excuse for everything. It's all about winning all the time. It's all about avoiding anything that's uncomfortable. There was a girl who I worked with here who left and we did similar jobs and she said, you would be horrified if you knew what I made by comparison to you. And she was trying to spin it as if there was sexism in play. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, can I ask you this question? How long have you been doing this? A year and a half. I've been doing it for 30 years. <laughs> do you think that has anything to do with it? And Incidentally, When I started in radio, I worked with a woman who made five times what I made, and I didn't even question it once because I was just getting my start. And then when I'd been doing it for 15 years, I worked with somebody who was making three times what I made and was female. But we're always just trying to go to this victim, woe is me, I, me, my, I'm just starting to see so much of that now. That's why I feel like a lot of this needs to be brought up and we need to grab that bull by the horns before we have an entire generation of people who are only thinking about themselves, who aren't facing adversity. And when you don't have adversity in your life, that's when you start getting that attitude. Well, where's my money? Even though I've done nothing, ba ba ba, throw a temper tantrum. Where's mommy and
1: daddy with the snow plow to come and get me out of this? Well, I know it's a very sensitive issue for you because you've talked about it before. (laughs) A few times, Brian, I think. I even have notes, (laughs) Courtney. I have (laughs) notes. Different generations and stuff. But I think some of it's getting enmeshed. I mean, and really the message here is that with Simone is that she's been through a lot of adversity she's oh, been through yeah. a lot of things that's and like no whatever her breaking point was and for whatever reason and all the mix of it it's kind of like for me I trust that she knows what's best for her to do right now. And that's kind of what it is with mental health, with having to get some help around it. Now, to the degree that she deals with things, I don't know. But it goes back to that. Again, I get what you're saying about the ripple effect on other kids and the generation, but that is related. But it's also a separate issue of all these other things. Now, mental health is another extension of that. But when we work on things, I mean, we have other generations where it was like, you're just going to do what we tell you to do because we told you to do it. We question things now more. We check in with our ourselves. And I get that the pendulum swings. It's going to go maybe all the way from your responsibility to your parents and to people around you. And then maybe it goes all the way to self. And maybe we have to find a middle ground where we are responsible for helping other people out and having that feeling like, oh, okay, I also need to do for my family, my friends, my teammates, that kind of thing. So maybe it's got a swing. But I do think that we are in a better place where people can be honest about their struggles and their conflicts, whereas before you don't talk about it. And still I have people that come in for mental health. Health help, and they have been like, "Oh, I never wanted to talk about this before." We are still in that place where we need to shine a light on this, and this is part of it. This is how it happens. It comes from other people who we are looking up to. It comes from Michael Phelps who struggles with depression. It comes from other people who are brave enough to actually address it, and that's where we get this. Now, of course, yes, this is a ripple effect that we can look at, but I think it's so important because part of it is the judgment, the shaming. A lot of people are trying to shame her, and that's part of this problem too. But it's very difficult to break it down and say, oh, well, this person is to this extreme and this person's over here. We can judge them. That's part of this is it's all mental health. And again, I'm not coming after her at all. And
0: I admire what she's doing. As a matter of fact, I think she should retire. I think she probably shouldn't have gone to Tokyo Mm -hmm. at all. She was probably in a place where she was like, I have one foot in, one foot out. Mm -hmm. And when you're performing on that level, if you're there, you need to walk away. Mm -hmm. But she's young. She was feeling the pressure. She put herself in that position. I'm not criticizing her at all. I'm not saying never question anything. What I'm saying is it's similar to this. Donald Trump wins the election in 2016. What happened? (gasps) Ah! Everyone wanted safe spaces, all this other stuff. Everyone was taking everything to extremes. Things became more divided than ever. I've been on this planet for over a half century. I've never seen us more divided. And I just keep seeing this pattern over and over again where I'm questioning everything, but I'm ignoring the things that are convenient. The police, that's a big thing now. I always talk about people throw elbows. They're challenging the police and the police are awful and they're horrible. And I got mistreated this way and I got mistreated that way. Are there bad cops? Absolutely. But the one thing that we never talk about is, well, What form of civil disobedience were you doing at the time to have the police come? Oh, no, we're not talking about that. I mean my throwing elbows. Everything now is throwing the baby out with the bathwater, Mm -hmm. and I'm just trying to bring it back to the middle. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be taking a closer look at the cops. Of course we should. They have weapons. They have control that sometimes they abuse. But in doing so, let's not pretend that there aren't some horrible people doing some terrible things, which is the first domino to fall mm-hmm. but I think we tend to lose sight of that and in all of this I don't want to lose sight as to how we as a society might be making this worse mm-hmm. by doing things like celebrating her depression I think what we need to do instead in using the word hero and everything else what we need to say is wow good for her this is terrible how can she be helped I think it needs to be taken more seriously than just falling all over ourselves and I even use this example I find that successful people are more and more under attack and people who aren't successful, we have a whole world right now of people who again, I mean my I'm having the government pay me an extra $600 a week. I'm not going back to work. I don't care if my neighbor loses his business. I don't care if the economy goes down the toilet. I mean my. I'm just seeing way too much of that kind of stuff and when we glorify depression, when we tell people it's okay to walk away from responsibilities, it's okay to not ever face adversity. Just walk away and think about yourself. I just don't want the pendulum to swing that right, far. Of course. To the point, like I said, where we were in 2016 and where we're going to be every foreseeable election going forward. Look mm-hmm. what happened in the last election. People storming the Capitol, all this stuff. Yeah. For as much as you're saying we're
1: in a better place, eh, in some areas, well, but in know, a lot of areas, we're in a worse place. Yeah, I was just speaking to the fact of having no, I know. awareness that, about, around mental health. I'm not saying we're in a better place Right. So
0: again, like with anything, it's like an onion. There are tons oh, of yeah. layers. And again, I'm one person behind one microphone, Mm -hmm. I just want to nip some things in the bud before I see them getting worse. And I'm very concerned, too, because I have a 21-year-old who hates to hear about the real world and who is constantly lecturing his mom and myself about how we take our jobs too seriously and how he's not going to let his life be that way. Mm -hmm. Incidentally, he hasn't worked in a month. We're paying for everything. We're going out of our minds, and he's criticizing us for it. And I just worry about them getting out there with that perspective and in a position where they are not equipped to be able to handle it like we were. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that our upbringings were perfect either. We had to evolve too.
1: Exactly. And I think that's what it is too. It's walking that line because when I talk to my clients, adversity can be a good thing. You have to push through. There's a lot of stuff that we have to get through and that's how we grow. You know, I try to encourage people. Yeah. Get out of your comfort zone. If it still feels kind of like, oh, I don't know. That's where we got to go. We got to challenge ourselves. Right. Taking the easy way does not help you to feel better about yourself. However, we need to find that line. Where is Mm -hmm. it going to be detrimental? Where is it actually hurting you in the long run for doing that? And sometimes people are right about it. Sometimes they're wrong. It's messy. Life is messy. But I think we have more of the tools now to be able to assess that and to help people to see where they're at. Like, are you at a place where, okay, you can handle this and you will take the consequences? Like with Tom Brady, maybe he was in a mental space where he knew this could really end my career right now, but I'm going to do this because this is what I need to do. He needed to make that decision and that was on him, the consequences, but someone else may make a different decision and that's okay. Giving people the tools, helping them to see where is that line? Where is this challenging in a health, challenging way and where you're going to feel like no matter what you do, you left it on the mat and you're good? Or is this going to be detrimental to the fact that you're doing something that is really unhealthy for you? That's what I'm here to help people with, right. to try to figure out and navigate. Because you know, a lot of times there was no choice before. And mm-hmm. I think that's the point. Years ago, there was no choice. There's no mental anything. They would just be like, you physically can do it, you can do it. There was no choice. So now there's more of that consideration about how important our minds are and our mental health.
0: To speak to what you're saying one of the best examples of that I've ever heard. I read Martin Short's autobiography. He's one of my comedic heroes. Just a brilliant guy. And he has had as hard a life as anybody as you can possibly imagine. Lost multiple siblings at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Lost his wife when she was young. And he talked about growing up in Canada, being a kid. And he said, there wasn't therapy back then. He said the therapy was, hop on your bike, go ride around and figure it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm not saying that that's what we should should do by right. any stretch of the imagination. But if your impulse and your instinct is telling you to get help, jump all yes, over that. That's help. why
1: we do this and podcast. And that is the point of all of this. And that's why I say I'm concerned on all sides of all of this, because I'm like, oh, I'm watching this. Like you said, there are certain It's points. the
0: ancillary stuff that yeah. concerns me more than anything yeah. else. But no, at the end of the day, we're not disagreeing at all right, about right. how important this mental health thing is and mm-hmm. how you should not be ashamed. Right. Right. But I think in some ways we're saying the same things, but just a little bit, a little bit different. And
1: that's why I say when I sit with your conversation and I say, OK, I see where your concerns are. You have concerns. And like I said, this is not something new. You've had these concerns. And I think this just kind of piles on top of it where you see this. But like I said, for me, this gives people just more encouragement to get the help that they need. And that's what we need to do is help people figure it out, figure out those lines, because sometimes they might not be. And I think your point is not challenging themselves enough or knowing that it's OK to have that challenge sometimes against that adversity, because that is what it is to be human and to grow. But at the same time, we need to know where we need to say, okay, I got to get some help and this is too much. Well, the bottom
0: line is we all need to come together as a community to Mm -hmm. find that middle ground. And my biggest concern is in the I, me, my world, are we capable of it? Mm -hmm. And that's my hope. That's ultimately where I'm coming from with all of this. But my biggest takeaway from episode 61 of Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian. It is the episode within which I used notes the most. And Courtney <laughs> looked at hers the least. The least. What? So what? We'll see how oh many my. people check out at like the 10 minute mark on this one. Oh, I have an ability to say <laughs> And then we'll come back together and figure out how we handle this moving forward. <laughs> but in the meantime, Courtney, if people would like to get in touch with you, how can they do that?
1: Yes, absolutely. Wellness at wctk.com. You can shoot me an email. We also have great resources for people Wellness Wednesday page that we do this little episode every week, which is awesome at our catcountry.com website. If you would like a copy of my
0: episode 61 notes, you can check me out on social media. We are at Catcountry Mornings. We have individual pages. Courtney Kelly EY or Courtney Kelly Bedard. I'm Brian Mulhern. Brian with an I-H-E-R-N on the whole Mulhern thing. And Brian can
1: actually sign those notes and send them to you if you'd like to have an autographed copy. They're going copy. to become collector's <laughs> items. He actually had notes on that one one. I got to print this out now. Oh, what the hell? Because course, they would be
0: tired of my notes because they'd be
1: pages every week. What's up with this lady? There's
0: a landfill in Johnston, Rhode Island that it has its own <laughs> wing anymore. of Courtney's notes. <laughs> Don't forget to tell your friends about Coping on the Couch with Courtney O'Brien, especially if they have shame about mental health mm-hmm. and if they feel like they do need the help. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, your smart devices. We're everywhere. Sans notes or with them, you'll find us and we'll see you here next week. Thanks for joining us on the couch with Courtney and Brian thank you I want to talk about